Good afternoon. Welcome. My gavel. Steve Elliott said to me the other day, probably on Tuesday, you know, good term, good couple of years. Do you have any regrets? And I said, no. It was great. Learned a lot. And then that night I thought, no, I actually do have one. I never got to use a gavel. We used a coffee mug. John, so sweet, rummaged through his house and found an object that would be the perfect gavel, the crystal pyramid. So I am leading this meeting with the gavel. So no more regrets. I call the 2016 ASLH Annual Business Meeting to order. Good afternoon, and thank you for coming to the 76th Annual Meeting in Detroit, in Hockeytown, in D-Town, in Motor City, and like our meeting theme, in a city of rebirth. I have roots in Detroit. My mother graduated from Central High, and I spent many long car rides traveling from New York to Detroit each Christmas in the family's Ford station wagon with woodside paneling. And no matter what day we left to head to Michigan, we got caught in a snowstorm in Ohio, and that's where I learned snow can move sideways. My childhood dog's name was Tiger. No, not for LSU football, but for Detroit baseball Tigers, of course. And I spent hours with my cousins discussing the proper pronunciation for words like talk or talk and soda versus pop. It's hard to believe that I'm coming to the close of my second year as chair of ASLH um, for our council. I'm honored by your continued support and participation in all that ASLH brings to the history community. Thank you so much for being here in remarkable Detroit, Michigan. In looking back over the past two years, I can honestly say I am so proud and pleased with what this association has accomplished. It's been an incredible term that was made possible by our outstanding council, staff, volunteers, members council, partners, and growing membership. I want to give a special welcome to our distinguished guests, Paula Gahadapade, IMLS Deputy Director of Museums, and to Laura Lott, President and CEO of AM, who will say a few words. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I appreciate a few minutes of your time on what I know is a really busy uh, membership meeting agenda. Um, I've really enjoyed my week here at AASLH, my very first, actually, as I wrap up my first year at the helm of AAM. Uh, I'm truly grateful for the many insights uh, that many of you have shared with me about the particular struggles and the strengths of the history component of our broad museum field, which incidentally comprises about half of AAM's membership mirroring the field of museums. Your feedback is so critical and I hope that you will keep it coming long after we go back to our separate um, institutions this week. It's also so important that we come together as history institutions this week and as a united museum field at other times. Before Hillary stole our tagline, AAM was fond of saying, we are stronger together. One of, it's okay, she needs the help. Um, one of the most important, 
<laughs> and we aren't going to change it to make museums great again or anything like that. Um, one of the most important... <laughs> Sorry. This is... Thank you. It's a challenge of being in the Washington, D.C. area. You have to laugh. Um, one of the most important ways that we do come together is in advocating for the field, for the cause of museums. I want to sincerely thank John Dichtel and the Council for your continued support of Museums Advocacy Day, now in its eighth year. And I hope you'll join us in Washington, D.C., February 27th and 28th for Advocacy Day, or to advocate from anywhere using the tools that are on our website. It's really never been more important. As we've talked about the theme of rebirth this week, I'm reminded that AAM has gone through its own pretty significant rebirth in the last five to six years, and will continue to moving forward. We've made changes to make accreditation and our excellence programs, as well as our membership, more accessible and more inclusive to small museums and to museums of all types. Our museum membership has grown by 70% in the last four years and there are 40% more individual museum professionals now engaged in AAM. And that's important because it makes us a stronger force for the cause of museums and a more robust community of experts. We're really exploring ways to be a true alliance, as we changed our name a few years ago. Our new strategic plan has five goals, which are ambitious and robust, and you can read about them on our website in both English and Spanish, which gives you a hint about our direction. The plan also outlines some strategic approaches to our work, including partnerships both within and outside of the museum field, and the importance of strong museum boards. What I'm most excited about, however, are three specific focus areas that offer huge opportunities for the long-term future of our field. Of the myriad issues and opportunities museums are confronting or need to confront, We've selected three that the field has told us are the most vital to the future viability, relevance, and sustainability of museums. First is indeed financial sustainability, different business models, tax statuses, and ways to make sure that our field is long-term sustainable um, and not reliant on any single source of funding. The second is diversity, equity, accessibility, and inclusion in all aspects of museum structures and programming. And the third is museums' evolving role in an evolving, uh, expanding role in an evolving education system, pre-K through 12 ecosystem of, of education. And that last one is particularly important to think about here in a city like Detroit, where there are failing schools within a stone's throw of some of the greatest cultural institutions in our country, indeed in the world. Institutions that have education, and hands-on, inquiry-based, critical thinking-focused, empathy-building education at the hearts of their missions. Why are museums not at the table when we talk about education reform? My hope is to change that and to ensure that museums are considered, respected, and built into the basic fabric of society and healthy communities in so many different ways. Of course, we're gonna need your help. We must do this work together to imagine what the future can hold, to inspire others to that future's possibility, and to make it a reality. As astronaut Dr. Mae Jemison said at our annual meeting last spring, the future doesn't just happen, it's created. Thank you for all that you do. I'm really truly inspired by your work every day. I feel very fortunate to be in this field with you. And I look forward to creating our future together. Thank you.
Thank you, Laura. Thank you to our incredible ASLH staff. You make us look so good. John Dichtel, Bethany Hawkins, Bob Beatty, Sherry Cook, Sylvia McGee, Terry Jackson, Asia Bain, Hannah Hethman, Amber Mitchell, Carolyn Montgomery, and Natalie Norris. If you're here, please stand up so we can recognize you. Um, thank you for your hard work and dependable goodwill. We really do appreciate you. Today's agenda begins with the minutes from the 2015 business meeting, which will be presented by Council Secretary Linnea Grimm. Good afternoon. I believe you have the minutes on your seat. Is there a motion to accept the minutes? So, great. Second? All, all in favor? Aye. Fantastic. Any opposed? Thank you. <laughs> Motion carries. Thank you. Um, now we're going to discuss briefly the proposed changes to the ASLH bylaws. Now we have some proposed changes um, to bring to you the membership. At its meeting on June 25th, 2016, Council gave its approval to these changes, which are outlined on the handouts on your chairs. If these amendments are approved here by a two-thirds of the members and present and voting, they become effective. There are five sets of revisions. The first turns the Council's task force on governance into a standing committee whose purpose is to evaluate the effectiveness of council and improve it. The second adds the governance committee chair to the leadership nominating committee. The third proposed change makes good, more explicit and clear in the wording of the bylaws that the term of council member is for four years. The fourth change creates a process for filling vacancies on the leadership nominating committee. And the fifth set of proposed changes to the bylaws would affect the nominations and election timeline. The shift in dates gives the nominating committee more time to gather nominations in the fall and winter, shortens the time the information sits at the SLH office in the spring, and shortens the election period from two months to one month. May I have a motion to approve the changes to the bylaws? Second? All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you so much. We were talking about our aspiration of being nimble. You all have it. It's great. The Treasurer's Report was prepared by Council Treasurer Norman Burns and will be presented by Jen Dictel. Norman was not able to join us today, though we thank him for his excellent work. John? Okay. Good afternoon. So today for, we have for you the results of the past fiscal year that ended June 30th, 2016. 
And here is um, our balance sheet. So we have total assets of $1,889,664, total liabilities of 532328 Our investments continue to grow. The investment committee follows a policy with a mix, cash, with a mix of cash, 4% stocks, 70%, and bonds, 26%. In sum, total liabilities and net assets find us at $1,889,664. Our operating budget is really the best indicator of our financial performance. This, is, uh, this shows actual revenue for the past fiscal year of $1,453,771, which exceeded budget by $73,475, which is about 5%. The actual total expenses were $1,348,859, which was below budget by about $28,000, or 2% and including investment gains of $72,000, we show a balanced budget with an actual surplus of $104,911. I'm pleased to report that the Investment Committee and the Finance Committee have us on track for reducing the annual draw on the endowment, which has been 5% each year, taken from the endowment and going into the operating budget. We're reducing that a quarter percent a year, and so in this year's fiscal your uh, fiscal budget, 2017, uh, we have the annual draw at 4.75% from the endowment. Yeah. Our auditors have confirmed the corpus of the endowment or total donor-restricted contributions over the years to be $1,512,334,000. We are continuing to improve the financial status of the organization, and in the past three years, as of June 30th, or the end of 2016, between purchases and gains, the endowment value has grown by $300,000. As reported last year, we continue to fine-tune several accountability systems and sets of internal controls, and through careful investing and by generating operating budget surpluses, we expect to have a fully restored the endowment this year. Okay, so now my president's report. Okay. I don't, I'll go for it. Uh, so this conference is a gathering, an experience, uh, a moment in your very busy professional lives that gets reborn every year. So there are hundreds of volunteers, committee members, council members, staff members, not hundreds of staff members, uh, a few staff members, and, the, and those hundreds of people, the presenters, um, and all the participants who remake or, or give birth to that conference every year. So, if we, so the conference itself is a great example of the spirit of rebirth. And this year, making Detroit special, you've heard them thanked many times, but I, I want to thank some of the ringleaders again quickly. Uh, David Jansen, the program chair, uh, Toby Voigt, who was on the program committee, and um, local host committee and pulled so many strings to get us here. 
Mark Hepner, chair of the program, uh, chair of the host committee, Kathleen Mullins, Brian Yop, who maybe you have seen around at a million different events, uh, getting his team to make things happen, and Lanisha DeBartelaben, uh, last night's host at the uh, Charles Wright Museum. Um, just some of the key people, but they they were helped by many others on the host committee. Um, and lots of volunteers and lots of other people who were not volunteers at their institutions who had to do um, lots of things to get us here. We also have our sponsors. You've seen this uh, during the Mary Wilson talk. Um, we couldn't do this without our sponsors. The local hosts raise an enormous amount of money. Our sponsors contribute a lot as well. Um, and we are so grateful for them. So if we could just take a quick moment and thank all of those people. And um, we already thank the staff, and you notice that they sit in two factions. They don't like each other. It makes my job really hard. There's that half over there and this half over here, the good half and the bad half. Uh, so we have Bethany Hawkins, if you would please stand up so people can see you, Terry Jackson, Hannah Hethman, Sherry Cook is back there, Asia Bain is back there, uh, whoever... Amber Mitchell's back there. Um, Caroline Montgomery might not be here. She's our intern. Bob Beatty. Who am I leaving out? Natalie. Natalie's roaming around somewhere. And I'm leaving out. Thank you very much, you guys. You guys are awesome. You did a great job. And not just here, but 360 days a year. Um, outside of the five days of the conference. They are an incredible team. The one name that I didn't mention uh, purposely was Sylvia McGee, and that's because she's back in the home office dealing with two things that couldn't budge, even for this meeting. One is our auditors are in the office right now, um, and the other is, oh, wow, I skipped a slide. Uh, oh, no, this is right, sorry. Uh, she is dealing with our move. We're getting ready to move. Don't worry, it's not out of... Nashville. Uh, we are going to be staying in Nashville. What I wanted to show you this slide for is that it, it, it um, marks where ASLH has been before and currently where we are in Nashville. So we've moved around several times before we got to Nashville. We have moved eight times in Nashville. This will be our ninth move in Nashville. This is our current office. We've been there for 18 years. I want to hear some boos and hisses for people who've been there. <laughs> it's windowless, except for my office, <laughs> and the front door that Asia gets to sit by. But otherwise than that, it's a windowless office. We are moving in October to this building. Yay! And this is a Catholic, former Catholic convent and academy, uh, uh, middle school, high school, and which currently exists behind this building. This is now owned by a non-denominational church, which is active on the first floor. There's a Pilates studio. There's a cake bakery. There's lots of little um, therapists and counselor offices, sort of sole practitioners. There's a, there was a law firm that left. We're taking that suite. Uh, and we will be in those offices around the middle of October. Um, so there will be no rest for the staff when we get back. Uh, so built in 1905, this building uh, is 
important to the community. It's, it uh, demonstrates, um, our, our moving there, I think, demonstrates the adaptive reuse that we as a field uh, would value. The community, the building is important to the community around it. There's a green space in front that used to belong to the academy, which is now a city park. And um, it's just a completely different experience of where we used to be. Um, even though the timing of the move is difficult, I know the staff and, and I particularly am excited about this. We've been working on this for months. And it's a, it's a symbol of rebirth for the organization. Um, turning to the past fiscal year, oh, screen space. I didn't practice with the slides, I'll confess. Um, Turning to the past fiscal year, it's definitely had the spirit of starting anew. For me, it was my first year as ASLH president, and I believe that the staff, the council, uh, the committees of volunteers, with the support of all the members, really have accomplished a lot. One of the things we did is we have, in the, within the office and within the organization, we've aligned all of our work with the four aspirations that hopefully you've heard a lot about. Um, those four aspirations have turned into the four goals of our strategic plan, which Council is still working on, and we added a fifth goal of being a responsive um, organization. And if you take the meaning of these five goals, and if you had to distill out of them, and you added in the theme of this meeting, the spirit of rebirth, and if you distilled all that down, I think what you would get is resilience. So I think your organization has been demonstrating that it has resilience, and I think that's something that, that all of our organizations uh, have and, and always need to have. Over the past fiscal year, your organization has demonstrated this resilience in a number of ways. We've celebrated our 75th anniversary and maintained a wide range of programs, publications, and operations. We grew the membership by 3%, which includes a 9% increase in individual membership. We restored tens of thousands of dollars to the endowment. The members contributed 38% more in the past year than in the year before in charitable donations. We expanded the STEPS program, now reaching more than 800 institutions. And ASLH authors published twice as many books in our imprint with Roman and Littlefield than in previous years, and that number is going to double next year. We also began an expansion of online and other continuing education offerings. The staff launched a new membership database that opens many new tools and resources to members and makes our jobs easier, and it will cost the organization $12,000 less a year. We have revamped the organization's social media presence with large gains in Facebook and Twitter activity. The awards program this past year received the highest number of submissions of the past decade. We launched a new membership category to bring faculty and students into the ASLH fold. And meanwhile, the staff and I represented ASLH at 20 conferences around the country. And while all that was going on, we continued to be very active leaders, really, within the National Coalition for History and the History Relevance Campaign. And as you heard Laura say, we've been uh, partners in the Museum Advocacy Day. So 40 years ago, ASLH's Nashville home was also a historic repurposed church, and that's just purely an accident. We didn't go looking for a church this time. Here's the cover of Bill Alderson's 1976 annual report in which he mentioned a staff of 32 people. We have nine today. ASLH and the history field in general were going through some tremendous expansion. 
uh, in the late 60s and early 70s, perhaps attributable in some part to the bicentennial of the American Revolution. And here we are today, 40 years after the bicentennial and 10 years in front of the 250th anniversary of the nation's birth. What did we learn from the bicentennial of 1976 or the 150th of the Civil War or the 50th of the Civil Rights era? Or what are we going to learn from the, the 100th of, the, of World War I? One of ASLH's projects going forward began in earnest this morning with a meeting of a task force trying to get its mind around the semi-quincentennial and what our goals and aspirations should be as a field and as an organization for the 250th of the nation's birth. And during the next decade, as we prepare and as we advocate for history and historical thinking, and as we talk about the promise of this country, let us wonder at and embrace how the phrase birth of a nation today can mean something dramatically different than it did 50 or 100 years ago. It is 100, I think it's the 100th anniversary of the movie, Birth of a Nation. Let us embrace the spirit of rebirth in which we will be revisiting our beginnings with new eyes, new ways of interpretation, and from new perspectives, and always with resilience. Thank you. And my 10-year-old daughter did that on our back fence on her own, so I had to put that up there. It's good. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, so now we're going to go with the 2016 election results, which are going to be reported by Stacy Klingler. I have the toughest job of all today. I have to read a list of names with verve. Uh, the three candidates who were elected to the Leadership Nominating Committee, who are those folks that really help shape the future of the Council and the shape of AHLS, are Lindsay Baker from the Laurel Historical Society in Maryland, Joshua Torrance from Woodlawn in Maine, and Margot Carlock from the National Association of Interpretation. We don't care where she lives, she's national. Uh, we have our incoming chair, John Fleming from the Ohio, I'm sorry, incoming vice chair. Our incoming chair, we'll, we'll hear from her later. Uh, our incoming vice chair is John Fleming from the Ohio Historical Society. Uh, returning as treasurer is Norman Burns from Connor Prairie in Indiana. And returning as secretary is Linnea Grimm from someplace out in Virginia with some famous guy there, Monticello maybe. Uh, we also are welcoming four new council members. Melanie Adams from the Minnesota Historical Society. Kim Fortney from National History Day. Again, we don't care where she lives, she's national. Kyle McCoy from the Indiana Historical Society. And Scott Wands from Connecticut Humanities. If you are one of those people, would you stand up and be recognized so people can talk with you later? And thank you to all of you who participated by voting. That does matter. Keep doing it. Great. Thank you so much, Stacy. So welcome to our new council members, and congratulations on your new posts. Um, in the new term, we have Catherine Kane as chairman, John Fleming, who will be our new vice chair, Norman will continue as treasurer. Linnea graciously has agreed to continue to serve a second term. Um, 
Our new council members, we look forward to working with you. The next time we'll be meeting will be February 2017 in Washington, D.C. We look forward to that, getting to work. Welcome to our new leadership nominating committee. Um, the work you do is especially important to the association. The leadership nominating committee, known as the LNC, has tremendous responsibility each year soliciting nominations from across the country. This standing committee is responsible for preparing the slates for the membership's vote. I'd like you and our association members to be aware that for the past few years, the association has implemented electronic ballots because we no longer mail out the paper ballots. I encourage you to cast your vote online next spring and be part of the selection process shaping future generations of ASLH leadership. The LNC has a really big job, and this past year, the chairman, Mary K. Ingerthorn, thank you so much for your service for this committee. Um, we did, you did an excellent job, and you led so many meetings and organizing so many of the logistics of the LNC. I'm pleased to announce that for the coming year, Lisa Anderson has agreed to be the new chairman for the LNC, and everyone looks forward to working with you, Lisa. Thank you so much to both women. I've had the very good fortune of working with an incredibly talented, passionate, and smart group of volunteers on ASLH Council. The intense work that this particular class of Council undertook over the past four years was tremendous, and we are all truly appreciative of your hard work. The Council sets policy and provides leadership for the Association, meets in person three times annually, and is in regular discussions throughout the year. At this business meeting, we thank the four outgoing council members, Bert Logan, Lorraine McConaughey, Donna Sack, and Phyllis Wahataki Tasi. We also extend our deep thanks to our immediate past chair, Lynn Ireland, who took a Goliath-sized job, along with Stephen Elliott, in navigating our ship for more than six years over tumultuous seas. Thank you very much to my longtime colleague and friend and mentor, Lynn Ireland. Um, would Donna and Lynn please come on up to the podium? We want to formally thank you for your service. Do they not get some walking music or something? Thank you. That's awesome, thank you. Where are my, my two friends? So I can see you. <laughs> Donna Sack is Vice President of Community Engagement and Programs at Naperville, Naperville Settlement in Illinois. She served on the Professional Standards and Ethics Committee and the Annual Meeting Program Committee and is a Seminar for Historical Administration alum. Lynn Ireland is the Deputy Director of the Nebraska Historical Society and most recently served on the ASLH Council Committee as immediate past chair. She's, another, she's the author of key ASLH publications, an astute leader and kind administrator, talents we all have benefited from. In recognition of your contributions to Council, Donna and Lynn, we'd like to give you ASLH plaques as tokens of our appreciation for your service. You. I'm going to miss you. 
Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Bert, Lorraine, and Phyllis were unable to join us in Detroit. Bert was a member of the Executive and Finances Committees, LNC, chairman of the New Governance Committee, and an ASLH rep on the Direct Care Project. Lorraine McConaughey served on the ASLH Program Committee and ASLH Editorial Board. Phyllis Wahatakitasi affiliated with the, Com- the Comanche National Museum and Cultural Center in Norman, Oklahoma. As a footnote, please think of yourselves not as retired from council, but as graduated to the Emeritus Council. I hope you'll stay involved and connected with ASLH for many more years to come. Please help me again and thank these fine individuals and congratulate them for their outstanding contributions to ASLH. And now my speech. This year's annual meeting theme, The Spirit of Rebirth, was developed by Program Chairman David Jansen at Bruce Moore Historic Sites. The annual meeting's host committee, chaired by Mark Hepner of Historic Fort Estates, planned the creative and exciting activities to match the meeting theme. The program and host committees together planned this meeting to help us reframe the work we do in local history in the context of rebirth. I'm here from Baton Rouge, a city that has been devastated this summer by historic flooding and shaken by gun violence. In Baton Rouge, we're talking about recovery every day, all day, and into the night. How are we going to rebuild our homes, our libraries, our churches, and our businesses? Has the violence done by Mother Nature shaken us so hard that what felt like hate between neighbors has morphed into handshaking, into helping hands, and faith in what community really means? Is this rebirth? The metaphorical studs and joists and foundations that history workers use to design and build historical interpretations expand the scope of remembrances, promote the value of history, and advocate for social justice. Uh, They're the buildings for rebirth. These are the joys of doing history. David, Mark, and the members of both committees, please stand so we can recognize and thank you if you're in the house. Y'all here? Thank you. Toby Voigt, council member at large. <laughs> In Detroit, we've witnessed a city of another kind of crisis, the drastic economic collapse of a major industrial city, the need to rebuild, to recover, to creatively reach across lines. The barriers that once felt impenetrable are breathing. In this breath, the deep inhale of we can do this, we have to do this, is the sound of rebirth. The role of local history is ever more critical to Baton Rouge and to Detroit and all our cities and towns when crisis strikes. The pain of losing family photographs, collections of books, videos, yearbooks, and mementos speaks volumes to how much we value our family histories and the histories of places we call home. Gutting houses, stores, libraries, theaters, because the floodwaters damage them beyond repair. Raising obsolete factories and warehouses that become dangerous and too expensive to restore in desperate times risk the loss of history and memories. In this conference, our sessions and programs were focused on how we grapple with loss, with difficult histories, and work through the angst towards productive and purposeful commemorations, remembrances, and interpretations. The losses from fires in California, to the flooding in the Midwest and the Gulf South, to the relentless gun violence in our cities and towns are not we're saying. They're not exclusively ends. They are indeed histories that have power, the gravitas of stories that are traumatic and at times too hard to bear. 
There are also the stories that move citizens and communities to care, to actively empathize, and to work towards change, towards rebirth. This is the work you all do. Your work is so important to be keeping the communities whole. This brings me to a particular task ASLH has focused on this past year since our business meetings in St. Louis. At that meeting, we shared with you our Council's aspirations, which included articulating a diversity and inclusion statement, which Council asked you to consider. A team of ASLH members and Council members led by Dina Bailey, Veronica Garadro, and Linda Norris researched and drafted versions of a statement which Council used to smith the following, and I'll read this to you now. Everyone makes history. Relevant history's inclusive history. So we are investing forward-thinking scholarship, expanding diversity of our field, and choosing partners who make equity a priority. Council invites everyone to join the conversation to review and discuss this initial statement. Your input is truly valued and welcome. So through our website, through phone calls, through emails, correspondence, we welcome your input. In the spirit of rebirth, Council has also started to ask how can ASLH help commemorate and stir and inspire local history endeavors for the nation's 250th anniversary in 2026. Has your organization been talking about the, let me get this, Sester Centennial? I still have that miniature Liberty Bell that hung from my graduation cap tassel in 1976 engraved across the bell. How much has changed in 50 years? I was 5'8". How have local history and public history methodologies changed? Isn't it marvelous that we've had that generation that is the honor to do the work to celebrate and guide public reflection on what nation's anniversary can mean? This opportunity for ASLH and of all of our history organizations is an awesome opportunity for rebirth, for revitalization, for highlighting the relevance of history in our community and our lives. This mega anniversary is an opportunity for a massive resurgence for the love of local history. Yes, in 1976, we saved and opened a record number of historic houses that 50 years later, younger generations ask her, how do we keep them open and how do we keep them safe? We have an amazing advantage since 1976. We have the more advanced skills ASLH members and other colleagues have since developed and the 21st century technology tools we've engineered to do history. We've also the determination and resolve to encourage history workers to think about our work in a broader context that is ever more aware, inclusive, diverse, and shared. Look to your right, look to your left, and know that you are among like-minded professionals who see the compelling potential for history work. Stay connected, stay engaged, and re- Maine committed to the joys of history's return. Thank you very much. Okay. At this point, I would like to um, invite Catherine Kane uh, to the podium uh, as our incoming chairs uh, to make her remarks. And if there is a formal ceremony, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to invent one. So come on over here. It starts with a hug. <laughs> and I'm handing you the gavel and wishing you all the best. And I'm right here at your side. Thank you. 
Thank you, Julie. Thanks to everybody who's taking time out of their busy visit to Detroit to come to the annual meeting of the American Association for State and Local History. And I have to say that I'm a little surprised to find myself standing here as the new chair. I'd like to thank uh, Bob Beatty and John Durrell for bringing me back into the ASLH fold after I had slipped away a little bit in the rush of business at my museum. I'm happy to be so deeply involved. I'd, made me remember that when I first became involved with ASLH, there were no women in leadership. I believe there were one or two council members, and that was a huge deal. And so as we think about our business and the future of ASLH, let's remember that change does happen. Constructive and positive change does happen. We're a history organization. Uh, I was trying to imagine how many previous chairs there'd been. If we're 76 and there's one every two years, that's, you know, 38 or something like that. John's good at numbers. I have learned that over the last 18 months working with him. I'm surprised we don't know that one. My first association work. <laughs> we will. There's no hurry. There's no hurry. Put it on the no. Put it on the someday list. Um, where was I? When I first my first association association was with an organization uh, that was at the time my state association, the Colorado Wyoming Association of Museums, which is proud to be known by its acronym of QAM. Uh, any former Quammers here besides me? Two, three, look at that, yes. So Quammers are everywhere, watch out. Um, Quam was a great association and I discovered that in groups like that you could learn, uh, you could test your leadership skills and you could learn the benefits of working together for the success of our field. I wanna take a personal moment to thank Julie for her role as chair. I've gotten to work with her the last couple of years, and I know it's a little bit of a mixed bag to move out of this, away from this podium, from this gavel. Um, uh, Julie has done a wonderful job. I'd also like to thank our departing council members, especially Lynn Ireland, um, but also Donna and the colleagues in your class, Donna. Lynn uh, had a heavy load as uh, vice chair chair and then uh, past chair. She also is our bylaws expert on council, so we need a new one. So everybody start reading. But thank you, Lynn. You all know that this, because we're all volunteers at ASLH, you all know these are council roles or volunteer jobs. And um, I can't thank you all enough for the work that you do and the heart that you put into it. I want to welcome our new council members and uh, particularly call out John Fleming, who uh, is joining us as vice chair and bringing his considerable credentials and experience for uh, building ASLH's future with us. Thank you, John, appreciate it. And um, in this week where, at the end of the week, we are all getting a new national museum like to remind us of the importance of that. As the National 
um, Museum of African American History and Culture opens officially with the ribbon cutting next Saturday morning at the Stowe Center. We're live streaming it. I encourage you all to watch it. Um, this is our new national museum. It builds on the work of earlier museums, like the Charles Wright Museum, where we all went last night, and John's own Afro-American Museum in Ohio, Wilberforce, Ohio, previous museum. And uh, he was founding director. And um, an opening like that of such a museum telling such a story reminds us all of the importance of museums in our communities, whether they are local, our small towns, or whether they national, international, for building perspective, making connections, telling stories that aren't always told, and telling the whole history of all Americans. At breakfast yesterday morning, it's way too early, these breakfasts, 7 a.m. I'm awake at 7 a.m., but I'm not, like, ready to talk. At breakfast yesterday morning, one of the speakers asked me how to say the name of our association in less than seven minutes. <laughs> so we all around the table gave him our, somebody said, I can't pronounce this one, Asala or something like that. I said that I usually say the um, acronym really fast, ASLH. Um, but I do think that's a question we should ask ourselves, and I encourage you all to use our meeting hashtag to put up your ideas about how we should say our association's name quickly so that it carries the mission message and the meaning of our name, and, uh, but does it in less than seven minutes. So that's just a minor assignment for a little buzz over cocktail hour tonight. And of course, I'd like to remind you all, again, that ASLH runs on its engaged and committed members slash volunteers and encourage you, whether accidentally, as has happened to me here somewhat, or with real drive and on purpose, and find, encourage you to help yourself and your friends find your own place in ASLH, find your home for history. Thank you. Thank you so much, Catherine. Well, I'd like to invite uh, the representative from Austin. Do we have someone in the audience? To tell us about what's going to happen for 2017. Where are you going? Thank you. Thank you. Are you going to dance? There's no dancing. We were told to do an interpretive dance today. No. <laughs> So we really want to start off by saying, hey, y'all. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> because we hope you're all coming to Texas next year as we bring AASLH to Austin in 2017. My name is Victoria Ramirez, and I'm the director of the Bullock Texas State History Museum. I'm Laura Casey. I'm with the Texas Historical Commission. And Texas is so big, there are really going to be two host chairs. So here we are. <laughs> So in thinking about why you should come to Austin, uh, I guess what we decided to do was just draft a short list. 
And if you are interested in doing one of any of these things, then be sure to mark your calendar for September 6th through 9th and come to Austin. So are you interested in seeing the LBJ Library, Presidential Library? So, live music? Anybody like live music? Austin's the live music capital of the world. Are you interested in barbecue or Tex-Mex? Plenty of that. Yeah, plenty of that. Uh, the Alamo is just about an hour down the road, so there'll be plenty of opportunities to see that. What else do we have on there? The missions in San Antonio were just named a UNESCO World Site, so you have a chance to see one of the newest sites. Well, you can't, you have to, our host institution is the uh, Bob Bullock Texas State History Museum, which is one of the best state history museums. Oh, true. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> true. <laughs> You'll get to see the Texas State Capitol, very impressive. Uh, Texans like to believe that it's bigger than the national capital. For you. <laughs> Fact. Fact. <laughs> And, of course, if you're coming to Austin, you might have heard we have a little uh, bat colony there. And so you might want to see the, the bats fly out from under the Congress Street Bridge. Yeah. So not it's history, delightful. but very interesting. Delightful. <laughs> you will also learn that we do not say pecans like they stay here in Detroit. It's pecans. So get yourself a pecan praline and come to Austin. We've got a short video for you, and we hope to see you next year. Thanks. Thank you. I'll show you pictures of my kids. <laughs> okay.
So on behalf of Detroit this year and Austin next year, I call this meeting adjourned. Give a beat.